39 parties registered for the upcoming legislative elections in Israel. Two interesting stories lay on the edges. The split in the Arab parties between Mansour Abbas and Ram party from the joint list, and what happened between Yamina and the hard right-wing Jewish parties, with a last-minute merger between Bezalel Smutrich Religious Zionism Alliance and Kahana's successor, Itamar Ben-Gvir's Otzma Yehudit, who earlier that week merged with Noam, the anti-LGBTQ religious party, leaving Chagit Moshe and the Jewish home out of the political game. Along with my friend Jeff Becker, we will dive into what happened behind the scenes in those scenarios. So Jeff, welcome back, and I'm happy to have you here with me. Glad to be back, Obi. With who do you want us to start? What happened with the Israeli Arabs, or what happened with the ultra-right wing? Well, something that really caught my eye lately was the merger between Atzma Yehudita Noam and Betzalo Smotrich. So these are three different political parties merging into one. Betzalo Smotrich heads the religious Zionism faction. He was a breakoff from Naftali Bennett's Yamina party. And then you get the Kahanis, Itamar Ben-Gvir of Atzma Yehudit, merging with Noam, which is essentially a party founded on anti-LGBTQ ideology. And this one struck out to me a little bit more than the breakup of the joint list, just because while Netanyahu had a big hand in, in both of these instances, it's interesting to see that Netanyahu is actively trying to bring radicals into the government in order to support his coalition. And we do need to remind that it's not the first time that he's doing it. Netanyahu is a very instrumental politician. He has no problem on one hand to delegitimize somebody, but on the other hand to use them as the idiotchimushi. I forgot the term in English, but like the one-time idiot, you know, uh, the reusable idiot, I would say. And he did it before. I mean, Itamar Ben-Gvir was also a part in the Ichud Miflagot Ayamin, if you remember, you know, the union of the right-wing parties way back in the legislative election for the 21st Knesset, then in March uh, 2018. It wasn't the first time that he was pushing the ultra-hard-wing Jews into each other's hands in order to maximize his ability to form a coalition. It's also interesting to point out that, you know, we see Netanyahu is bringing the most radical sect of Jewish politics together. I mean, the radical right-wing parties all coming together. It's also important to see that on the total opposite side of the aisle, Bibi's making some alliances with some pretty radical Islamists in the Israeli parliament at the same time. So maybe if you can talk about how he's balancing these two as he has successfully blown up the Arab joint list with Mansour Abbas's Ram faction breaking off and in Mansour Abbas and Ram being a conservative Islamic party are actually now starting to indicate that they're more than willing to work with a right-wing government in Israel. And that's a growing voice, by the way, in the Israeli Arab population. There is a big disappointment in the Arab society in Israel, especially from the left wing. And there are growing voices 
were saying that eventually all Jews are racist, so they will join hands with whoever they can benefit from. And look, you can see the numbers. I mean, poverty in the Arab population is high. It's second to the ultra-Orthodox. But we do need to remind that there are a couple of big differences between the Arabs and the ultra-Orthodox because the Arabs do work, unlike the Haredim, but they are going to gain higher education for the younger uh, generation. If you will check, actually, the Israeli Arabs are leading in the Arab world with the amount of people who go and gain a college degree at a minimum. And I'm not talking about, you know, uh, MAs and doctorates. So there is a big progress and modernization within the Israeli-Arab community. And they are very frustrated that economy-wise, they are still stuck in place. What Mansour Abbas actually did, if I need to uh, compare him to one of the Israeli parties, I would compare him to Shas. Shas is the ultra-Orthodox Sephardic party. You know, they are ultra-Orthodox. They are closer to Israeli society than Agudat Israel. Some of their people are uh, serving the army, for example. They are more connected, you know, uh, to the Masortim and to Israelis in overall. But they are religious. And what they do in the government, you know, just like Agudat Israel, they're trying to extract uh, funding to their communities only. So Mansour Abbas said, if we cannot, you know, gain anything for our people, I don't care what government it's going to be, as long as I'm able to get funding to take care of business in my community. Since the beginning of the year, you have more than 100 people died, okay, in the Arab society for murders. Almost every second day, you hear about another gunfire and shooting at somebody and a husband that murdered his wife. It's insane what's happening. And the people over there are tired of it. They see that the police is not taking care of business that their leadership is not taking care of, you know, what's happening within the communities. They want to get enforcement. They want to get law enforcement in their villages. But let's be honest, the government never really took action in order to do that. So now suddenly, the prime minister in the last more than 12 years and 15 years in overall, remember that we need to take care of this community. But he's not doing it out of goodwill because he's a cynical politician. So what started with his will to dissolve the joint list continued in a crazy campaign. Netanyahu suddenly shows himself like he's the good grandfather. In this upcoming campaign, he actually already started it. Last week, he posted a video saying that he's the leader for everybody, including mentioning the Israeli Arabs. But... Before we dive into that, I want our uh, listeners to listen to the next 10 seconds. Uh, It's a short, short, short uh, sentence that was said by nobody else but Benjamin Netanyahu, the Israeli Prime Minister, on the day of the election to the 21st Knesset on March 17, 2015. So here we hear Prime Minister Netanyahu reaching out to his base. He was really pressured because the polls showed that at that time, Tzhak Buzhi Herzog was uh, leading the Labour Party, and uh, he was really closing the polls with the Likud. 
So Netanyahu thought how he's going to encourage his base to go and vote. And he did this crazy thing. Around 4 p.m., actually it's 1600 in military time, all of the WhatsApp groups of the Likud members started getting this short video. It has a couple of more seconds with the whole message. And what he did, he was just telling them that the Arabs are going in huge masses to vote and that the right wing doesn't have the privilege. We don't have buses. We need you to take action and go and vote. And it helped him. It showed crazy increase in voting in the evening at that day. And eventually the Likud got 31 seats. It was a combination, by the way, with the Israel Beiten of uh, Victor Lieberman. But he became the biggest party, taking over the Labour Party in 2019 by seven mandates. And it's important to note that, you know, when this election took place in 2015, how the exit polls first showed the uh, Likud and Labour tied, and then all of a sudden you just see they could tick up and up and up and up more. It's all these late votes getting counted that come after the statement of Netanyahu arguing that the Arabs are being bussed in and, and droves to the polls. So yeah. his words do have a lot of meaning. They had a lot of meaning back then, and they still have a lot of meaning today. And I'll argue the reason why they have a lot of meaning today is that Netanyahu has made a significant increase in... I guess you could argue depreciating the Arab vote for this upcoming election. And I'll say that because with the break off of Rom from the rest of the joint list, you're going to have a really likely scenario where Rom can get a significant amount of votes, but not cross the threshold needed to get into the Knesset. So what you may have are a significant amount of wasted votes that go to Rom, which will take away from the joint list itself. So the joint list will be weakened and Ram won't even be able to cross into the threshold. So for Netanyahu, it's it's kind of a win-win situation. He can either have Ram get a significant amount of votes, cross the threshold, and then they will support his next government, or Ram won't cross the threshold, but will take a lot of votes away from the joint list in doing so and will weaken the mandates going to the joint list and, you know, a lot of those mandates could just be scattered around the Knesset to parties which could support Likud, if not going to Likud itself. You are right. And actually, when we are talking about it, in 2019, in the election for the 19th Knesset, the Arabs were running under two lists. It was Ram Tal and Balad and Khadash. And they only gained 10 mandates. Two months after... On May of 2019, when the 21st Knesset dissolved, who was his partnering with when he wanted to dissolve the Knesset? The Arabs. Exactly, the joint list. And at that time, they were not the joint list. They were two different parties. But for them, it was a chance to maximize their votes. For him, it was a chance not to deliver the mandate back to the president who would have handed it back to Benny Gantz to try and form a coalition. And it was a win-win situation for both Netanyahu and the Arab party. But what Netanyahu got at that time, that the Arab representation grew from 10 mandates to 15 mandates. It's important to note this collaboration that went on in the Knesset between Likud and the Arab parties in order to dissolve the Knesset 
and therefore prevents the mandate going to Benny Gantz. Because, you know, if we're talking about the March or April 2019 election, there's so many elections now, it's hard to even pinpoint them. But uh, the first election between Netanyahu and Gantz, you basically had Bibi going out into the street for each. His his campaign slogan was uh, Bibi OTV, which means Netanyahu or Ahmad TV, who is one of yeah. the top representatives of the Arab joint list. So you had him inciting a whole lot against the Arab sector of Israeli society for his own political benefit. But all of a sudden, after the election, he realizes he needs the Arabs for one of his political objectives. And he's more than happy to do that. I actually want you to listen to the following recordings. I have two more. The first recording I showed you was Netanyahu on the election day. But Netanyahu was echoing the PBOTB message since the beginning of the election to the 21st Knesset. And I have a recording here showing, I'll give it in a brief, five or six Likud officials saying the same message. Let's check this out. 30 seconds. Here we go. הבחירה המאוד ברורה של הציבור היום בין ביבי לבין טיבי זה המצב זה כבר ברור כשמש שהבחירות הללו הן ביבי או טיבי תראה בעיקרון זה די ברור זה גנץ ולפיד מעדיפים את טיבי על ביבי את זה הם אומרים לא אנחנו אין ממשלה לגנץ גנץ סומך על הגוש החוסם הוא הצהיר שלא יצטרף לממשלת ליכוד ולכן ברור שבעצם זה או טיבי או ביבי. זה המצב היום. הוא החליט שטיבי עדיף על ביבי. זה מה שהוא החליט. And that's something said, you know, by מירי רגב, אופיר אקוניס, גילה גמליאל, all of the ministers in the Israeli government, saying that the upcoming election is between ביבי and טיבי, and it's crazy because what נתניהו is master at is actually campaigning. And he has people echoing him all the time. And the next recording I want to do, it's also the same thing. And once again, that's Netanyahu on August of 2019 in the second round, in the election for the 22nd Knesset. Okay? He's uh, in an election uh, event. And that's exactly what he's saying. Let's hear it. <laughs> Over here, he's even speaking some Arabic. He's saying Iowa. It shows that he's connected to the people. He's a true, uh, you know, leader. But that's insane that on one hand, okay, He's delegitimizing the Arabs, and on the other hand, they are collaborating with him, and he's playing with them. And if we go back to Mansour Abbas and what's happening in the joint list, even though the joint list are not pleased with the Israeli left, because they do share the same experience with everything that's connected to the Arab population being discriminated, think that you cannot collaborate with somebody who's officially speaking against you and delegitimizing you, while Mansour Abbas goes the same way that the ultra-Orthodox parties are going. He doesn't care. He want to get the money to his people. He want to get the funding to get more police outposts. He want to get the money for education. You know, Arab citizens are saying it clearly. 
we want to have the same life quality like the Jews have, and they're entitled to it. Their infrastructure looks bad, and if you'll go into an Israeli Arab village, it's not the most pleasant visit that you'll have, not because the people hospitality, but because the way the infrastructure looks like. That's the big argument within the Arab parties at the moment, whether to go with the devil or to stay in the opposition. But the thing is, is that a lot of the Arab public seems to get pretty tired of the joint lists, you know, just getting their votes every single election and then just sitting in the opposition and not doing anything with their votes. I would put them under the same umbrella like the left-wing uh, voters. And the fact that, you know, for example, both, by the way, in the Arab sector and in the left-wing Jewish sector, there is a huge disappointment and unwilling to go and vote again because what happened with Benny Gantz. We do need to remind people that in the last election for the 23rd Knesset, the joint list recommended Benny Gantz. It was the first time in history that the Arab parties recommended somebody to the president to give him the mandate. And Benny Gantz, in a way, betrayed all of that. He betrayed his voters who were against sitting with Netanyahu he betrayed the Arabs' faith who trusted him to replace Netanyahu. So now they're disappointed because they thought there was going to be a change. And for the first time, you know, maybe the Arabs will be a part of the coalition. And suddenly when, you know, Netanyahu was scaring everybody, now he has no problem saying that he's going to put an Arab minister in his cabinet, also which a- is a crazy thing. He has no problem. And imagine that you'll have an Arab member sitting in the same cabinet with Bezalel Smutrich and uh, Itamar Ben-Gvir, uh, you know, who's uh, against Arabs in overall. It's really interesting, especially how Mansour Abbas is considered more radical than someone like Ahmad TV, who Netanyahu usually uh, is as his punching bag for the election campaigns. But just to think of Mansour Abbas and the Ram faction, possibly in the same coalition with Atma Yehudi, a party which openly wants to expel Arabs from the country is pretty insane. I mean, the fact that on one hand, Bibi is going to express his sympathies to both radical factions on the Jewish right, but also in the Israeli Islamic movement. I mean, how do you think he's going to be able to juggle both of that at the same time? I think that eventually Netanyahu will not keep his promise to the Arabs. He will not nominate an Arab. Well, it all depends on the results of the election. It's hard to give the prophecy on what's going to happen because you may have a surprise and lefties will go out to vote and some mandates will swing from one party to the other. But I hardly see any chance of a non-right-wing government form. So it doesn't matter if it's Bibi, he's going to form a hard right-wing ultra-Orthodox coalition and he will not need the Arabs. And he will not uh, keep his promise to the Arabs. He has no problem of, you know, breaking his word and finding an excuse. Look what he did to Benny Gantz with, you know, the taxi, with the budget every time. That's Netanyahu. And he's a really skillful politician. And every time he finds another fool to fall into his trap. Just has endless (laughs) tricks up his sleeve. But, you know, this is also the fourth election where he hasn't been able to form a government. Do you think that what his tricks this time around. I mean, you know, fool me once, shame on you. I mean, you get to the fourth time, it, you know, usually sees you say three times a charm. Maybe you'll say four times a charm, but 
I mean, how many more tricks do you think he can pull? I mean, do you think this is it right now where, you know, he'll be able to take out as many votes away from the joint list as possible. He'll be able to get the most radical Jewish right votes and get them all under his umbrella. I mean, do you think this will be enough for him this time around in this fourth election? Or do you think that, you know, we might end up going to a fifth election or maybe Yair Lapid or Gideon Sa'ar will actually have a chance to form a government? So that's a great question. If to be honest, you know, looking at what's happening now and the list of uh, parties, I think that it's more likely that Netanyahu will be able to form a coalition. And most likely, the kingmaker is going to be a guy we discussed in the past, and we actually made an episode about him, Naftali Bennett, that we are already asked if he's going to be the next kingmaker. And the way it looks at the moment, Naftali Bennett or Gidon Sar, one of these two is going to be the one who can make the change. I doubt if Naftali Bennett, who could have joined Gidon Sar and formed one party to run together in order to break the Likud and Netanyahu, but he didn't want to do it because he didn't want to give Gidon Sar the Bhora, you know, to become the first in line to be prime minister, if he's going to go against Netanyahu. I doubt it. Netanyahu can step on him as much as he wants. He's always going back to Netanyahu. And one of the reasons, by the way, that uh, Bezalel Smotrich actually banned Yamina and now formed his new party, you know, the new ultra-right wing, I would say, you know, religious Zionist alliance, is because Bennett is playing on both sides of the court. At the beginning, he refused to say that he's going to go against Netanyahu, so he lost votes to Gidon Saar. And then, after Gidon Saar, you know, when he saw that people are running away from him, he started saying, I'm going to be the next prime minister. And he wasn't willing to commit to Bezalel Smutrich that they're not going to support Netanyahu. And Smutrich wants Netanyahu because he would rather have the same the old, uh, the old dog or the old, you know, the, the, the old, one that you the, know. Netanyahu's like the old guard to Smotrich. Netanyahu yeah. makes Smotrich transportation minister. So, I mean, they have yes. a decent relationship. Yes. And I don't know what will happen. Maybe Smotrich will get in and uh, maybe he won't. Maybe he will. Bezalel Smotrich put it under his agenda. Okay? It's not just the settlement. It's also the law enforcement and judicial system that he's against the way it works, and that's his campaign. But what Netanyahu did with the hard right wing is also insane. Because if we go back a couple of weeks earlier, you had Yamina going up in the polls. Then Gidon Saar joined the campaign uh, like about a month ago, and suddenly Bennett started to decline. And Netanyahu has an interest, okay, to weaken Bennett. So what he did, he was starting to speak to Bezalel Smutrich, telling him, listen, if Bennett won't go with me, I want to make sure that you're going with me. So Smutrich started poking at Bennett. I want you to commit that we will go with Netanyahu no matter what. Bennett was unwilling to commit. So Smutrich left Yamina, like he did, by the way, once again, in 2019, they were running under the Union of Right-Wing Parties. And then later on, if you remember, in the September election, it became Yamina. 
okay, which was a joint of the union of uh, right-wing parties with Hayamina Hadash, the new right that Bennett formed. So Netanyahu is playing with everybody because now we have a party that actually I'm going to put the original name and the new name, which is not going to be campaigning this upcoming election. Do you know what party I'm talking about? Bait Yehudi. I mean, they were the original foundation of the national right. religious camp. And now they're saying at this point, you know, they have barely any electoral support. And they just said, screw it, we're not going to run. So let me show you how Netanyahu orchestrated that. He didn't expect Bait Yehudi not to be a part of the new alliance. But three weeks ago, Abaita Yehudi, the Jewish home, as they are called in English, were running primaries to the new leadership of the party. Netanyahu and Smotrich were supporting Chagit Moshe, the elected chair of this party, while Naftali Bennett was supporting the ex-CEO of Abaita Yehudi. And once his guy lost, Bennett took him and put him in his uh, slate. So now the former CEO of Baita UD is with the Naftali Bennett in Yamina, and the Baita UD were supposed to run along. Netanyahu was really worried because if you're looking at the polls at the moment, Bezalel Smotrich is very close not to pass the thresholds. He is between three to four mandates, and if he's getting three mandates, he's out. If he's getting four, then he'll be in. Netanyahu is unwilling to take the risk. So he was trying to merge as many hard right wingers under one roof. So what he did, he was pushing both Bezalel Smotrich and Itamar Ben-Gvir of Otsma Yehudit. Itamar Ben-Gvir, let's remind our audience, is one of Kahana's big fans in Israel. He is an ultra right winger who believes in Medinat Halakha, in the Halakha state. He is not just delegitimizing the Arabs. He thinks they have no right to exist under the Jewish law. And in 1988, Kahana was banned out of the Knesset. And the Likud of the 80s will not collaborate with Kahana at that time. They were against him because they said that he was racist. 2021 Likud under Netanyahu has no red lines, you know, when it comes to... It's either us or them. We want to stay in power, so I don't care who's going to support me. No, I think that if it was Arafat sitting in any party and it would benefit Netanyahu, he would make him a friend and, uh, <laughs> and take well, him I over. Mean, Mansour so Abbas is one of the most radical factions on the Arab side, so in a way, it's at this point, most of the Knesset really just, or a big chunk of the Knesset, all of Bibi's old allies, I mean, Lieberman, Gideon Sa'ar, I mean... None of them want to support him anymore. So now Bibi's looking to the most radical elements of the Israeli political scene to support him. And this is what you're getting. Right. So he was able to merge them. And as we said in the beginning, in the opening, actually Itamar Ben-Gvir earlier last week, he already signed an agreement with Noam party, which Noam is an ultra-Orthodox party that is against LGBTQ rights. They were actually running a campaign of one family with mom and dad, something like that. And that was the campaign. So they're against, you know, uh, gay marriage, they're against gay rights. So it's like a combination, you know, the ultra right wing becomes like uh, maybe the Tea Party, I would say. I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking a little bit worse than the Tea Party, but, you know, there's a lot more of a religious component 
along with the Israeli right wing than the American yeah, Tea that, Party. Definitely. Let alone the, the Tea Party here doesn't even really exist anymore. It's whatever, you know, MAGA cult it's merged into, it's long gone. So, But you know, the crazy thing is, and that's something that Netanyahu didn't expect, but it almost ruined his merger efforts, is that actually at the end, the Zionist Religious Alliance registered to, you know, yesterday, Thursday of February 4th, and Vita Yehudi is not a part of that alliance. Eventually, they did not come to a conclusion and to agreement with the Chagit Moshe, with this lady of Vita Yehudi. That's the first time in the Israeli politics that Vita Yehudi, what was the Mafdal, the old classic, I would say, a modern Orthodox party, will not run in the Israeli election. But he made sure that she will support now Bennett, even though she was supported by Netanyahu. And she also said that uh, she's not supportive of Bennett. She will support uh, Benjamin Netanyahu. But now she has no problem committing to Bennett and to his Yamina party. But she's out of the game. But imagine that if she would have run and taken even half a mandate from Bennett or from Smutrich, that's something that can cost Netanyahu his uh, crown. And Netanyahu is not willing to take any risks at that point. Here we are with Netanyahu, the puppeteer, playing with both sides of, on the one hand, the hard right Jewish wing and, you know, with the Israeli Arabs. That's insane. And that's something that, you know, you can say that he's a magician. I would say that it's just that the other politicians have uh, poor political skills. And it's so interesting to see the polls because like none of this is really making a dent in, in support for the Likud. I mean, they're still holding steady at like 30 mandates. I mean, I don't know how you're going to even get like two or three mandates off. I mean, if you, you know, the Kahanis, the Israeli Islamic movement, what can really, you know, take them down at this point? I think that what can take him down is if they will be able to put the ego aside and have, in a way, Saar, Bennett, Yair Lapid, and the other parties to collaborate. But I don't see how the right wing will join with the Arabs, and I don't see how the left wing will collaborate with the ultra-Orthodox, because people in Israel are actually quite tired with what's happening with the Haredim in Israel. That's a topic for a different episode, because I think that what's happening now is that their leadership of the ultra-Orthodox, and that's something that's not connected to our topic, but as we put it out there, then the ultra-Orthodox leadership, they have a blind spot, or they just don't care about what the Chilonim are thinking about what's happening. And people are tired of the fact that actually Netanyahu is putting everybody under curfew when he's unwilling to handle what's happening in the ultra-Orthodox communities. Well, I guess we just found our topic for uh, next time again as... Not only are the Kahanis and the Arab parties a major player right now, but the Haredim are a major player in this upcoming election. In a way, you know, with all these different parties, everybody's a player. So, you know, there's just with so many elections, so many different parties, the party's always changing. There's always going to be something to talk about. Oh, definitely. But look, the ultra-Orthodox are always a major player in Israeli politics. The question is, who's going to utilize them to upgrade their campaign. You can already see that Lieberman is doing it, Lieberman and his party, Israel Beitenu. And I don't think that Lapid at this point will be able to risk 
his non-existing relationship with the ultra-Orthodox by fighting them again. But I think that he's still uh, fantasizing on, uh, on, <laughs> on forming a coalition with them without Bibi. I don't know what world he lives in, but we'll have to see. And that's definitely a topic to another episode. We'll just have to wait a couple of weeks to see the campaigns. But I'm quite sure that not only Lieberman will use the ultra-Orthodox as a topic on his campaign, because it's insane what's happening. You know, Israel is still under the third curfew. Today is Friday. Now they extended the curfew until Sunday. Since Netanyahu is supposed to go to court next week, they'll probably extend it so we can once again get a postpone on his uh, court appearance. But I didn't say that. I don't think, you know, that it's because of that that they're going under curfew, of course. <laughs> so anyway, Jeff, thank you very much. Another great recording with you. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and wanted to thank you for joining me. If you like my podcast, feel free to rank it and share it with others. I also invite you to subscribe to my podcast so you will get updates when a new episode is on the air. And last but not least, I invite you to check my website, Balagan, www.balagan.ltd, for more content about Israel's history and politics. Bye for now and have a great day.